0: Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 115, Getting Away from Bad Drivers. It's April 27, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, etc. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. My music is by Howie Moscovich. getting away from bad drivers. Oh my heavens, hold on to your seat or hold on to the steering wheel. I have several things that could potentially save or change your life and certainly changes that could prevent you from being in an accident or possibly killed. And I do have training in this area. Yes, I do have some training. And so let's get going. If you happen to be new to my content, I hope that you will visit my website at www.lisaalundy and enter my current giveaway because that would make me happy. Here is my disclaimer. I am not a therapist. I am not a medical healthcare professional in any capacity. And nothing that I say in this podcast or any of my other podcasts or any of my content or YouTube videos is intended or designed to be medical or therapy advice. If you happen to be listening to this podcast and you are feeling hopeless, or you feel that life is just simply too hard for you to continue, or you are feeling suicidal, I am asking you to stop and make a phone call. I'm asking you to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1 800. 273 8255. That number again is 1 800 273 8255. I am asking you to talk about it. I am asking you to tell people how you feel. I am asking you to take the help that is available because there is quite a bit of help available. Might not be from the people you think should help you, but there is help nonetheless. My next note is for the deaf and hard of hearing community. I currently have transcripts for my podcasts on the rss.com hosting platform. Within anywhere from one to three hours of a new podcast being published, a transcript will be generated and then available for you. I ask for your forgiveness and compassion and as I work to improve my speaking, my flow of speaking, the pronunciation of my words in order that you have a more valuable transcript. So hopefully, hopefully I'm making some progress. All right, let's get going. Advanced driving, advanced driving tips is really what this is, but I think the title getting away from bad drivers is even more accurate. So this is not something that we are frequently talking about. And I can tell you that by just driving around and seeing how cars are parked in parking lots. That is a telltale sign of whether or not someone has been schooled in advanced driving, period. So, as I said earlier, there are over 5 million collisions in any given year with approximately, at least in 2021, uh, over 46,000 fatalities. This is an extraordinary number of people who are killed each year from driving or driving accidents or being in a a collision, and much of it is preventable. Now, I received this amazing and extraordinary advanced driver training paid for by my employer when I was in sales because the company received a substantial discount on the insurance for the sales reps if everyone took this Training course, so which was mandatory, it wasn't an optional course. And it was fascinating. And by the grace of God or whatever, I was able to not only implement these tips and these ways to avoid accidents, being killed, being rear ended, but I was able years later, years and years and years later, to have the privilege to. Um, spend a lot of time with someone who actually did advanced driver training for a living and I was so excited because I wanted to reconfirm everything I had learned from years ago and that particular person was quite stunned that I had such vivid recollection. Well hopefully you will have vivid recollection as we move through this podcast because it could make a difference in terms of life-saving abilities. The course that I was required to take was conducted by retired state troopers who worked for an entity that did this advanced driver training. And I will not ever forget, I've never forgotten their their opening line of the class which was all accidents are preventable which i sat there thinking to myself hmm this is going to be very interesting i don't know how you prevent someone from rear-ending you oh i'm going to tell you about that because they did tell me about that they told all of us about that and i have used that over and over and over and over again to prevent my car from being rear-ended from the car behind me now the top causes of car accidents are, number one, distracted driving, number two, tailgating, number three, drowsy or sleepy driving, speeding and intoxication are number four and five. All those things are all preventable or controllable. I mean, you might not think you can control tailgating, but I will get into that. So, I have trained three other drivers at at a minimum, (laughs) and I have practiced every little tip that I learned, and it's it's really stunning, in my opinion. All right, so the first thing we're going to talk about, parking. As I mentioned, when I pull into a parking lot, I do a scan of the parking lot, and I can see the way that most cars are parked. The way that is best for you to park could prevent you from killing a child. It could prevent you from having a fender bender and we did every year in the United States anyway, there are any number of children who are killed having been run over by a car, oftentimes the family car, often by a relative in their own driveway or in a parking lot. And and I know that that's true because it recently happened uh, in our area. Although I will say most of the times that is kept out of the newspaper and it is kept out of the obituary. But we did recently have that happen. And it was one of the examples that the state troopers gave when they were conducting their course was the saddest thing they would ever see in their careers. And they had seen it and they continued to see it was a child who was run over by a family car or a family member car in their own driveway so the way to park your car is to do one of two things the first way is to do what's called pull through parking this only works if there's two spots that are uh, you know, parallel one in front of the other and you you pull through to the second spot so that when it's time for you to exit the parking space, you are pulling out instead of backing out. So pull through parking is number one. Number two, if pull through parking is not available, and because some parking lots will have a row where you have the the double spots and sometimes they will have simply have parking where you can't pull through because there's an island or a curb or something else, in which case you back into the parking spot. So, for parking, this is the way I trained my kids, this is the way I was taught, this is what I reconfirmed. You either want to pull through so that when you leave the parking spot, you are pulling out face forward, or you back into the spot, which of course if you back into the spot, when you pull out, you're pulling out face forward. Of course, that's not necessarily gonna prevent a child from being run over, but it decreases that likelihood. And if there are children around, which there are children around in parking lots, by the way, at the big box stores or the grocery store or whatever, you want to be scanning and be watchful for that. But that particular piece, parking, pull through or back in, it used to be that more car accidents were in low at low speeds in reverse gear, which is the fender benders I'm talking about in parking lots, which, by the way, which by the way, I just helped a a car avoid this in the parking lot of the grocery store last week because there were two cars backing out. They were simultaneously backing out, backing out into each other, both of them unaware that another car was backing out. So I started yelling loudly and, and there were kids in the one car and they got their father's attention, who was the driver of the one car, and he stopped. I mean, he stopped and it was like inches. It was, it was miraculous that he stopped in time. But he did stop in time because he had kids in the car who saw me, you know, flailing and yelling. And then, so he stopped. So there was a rear end fender bender that was avoided. And he pulled down the window of the, his child's window and yelled out, thank you so much. I can't believe it. Like, I, like, thank you so much. I can't believe it. And I said, you're welcome. So if you want to avoid fender benders, then this would be the first rule to implement. Always do pull through or back into this parking spot. And, you know, it's just, it's even more present to me because there's a store that I visit and they just had a whole bunch of other stores open near them and now the parking lot is packed. There's hardly ever a spot open. And... I have witnessed many, many near misses. I mean, I even honked my horn one time because they were just going to hit each other. <laughs> so, this is like this is basic. This is so basic, but it's so basic but we're not doing that out in the world. So, this is your number one thing. Um, if there's kids around, look, see, make sure somebody has them. This is the same thing is true for animals because there are people who who let their animals run and if you're not careful, you'll run over their dog or their cat and They're just kind of oblivious. So that's number one, pull through or back into parking. Now the next idea, oh my gosh, is crazy. It might sound crazy to you, but let me tell you, oh my gosh, this works phenomenally, which is preventing your car from being rear-ended. I have talked to many people about this who are in disbelief that this would work. At the same time, I have done this over and over and over again and prevented my car from being rear-ended and what happens is you're driving down the road and you can see the car behind you sometimes coming out of nowhere is just coming up on you with velocity they are just approaching you way too fast and and oftentimes or sometimes it's because the driver of that other car is distracted. So they're not slowing down. They're, they have no inclination to stop. So there are four different things you can do to prevent your car from being rear-ended. Number one is to hit your flashers. So all of a sudden you're driving down the road. You see the car behind you has either come up out of nowhere quickly or is way too close to your bumper or what have you, or it looks like they're not paying attention, you can hit your flashers. Number two, you can start to gently zigzag your car, paying attention to your own driving, you know, and, and that sometimes will get their attention. The next thing is you put your turn signal on and start to make an exit to the road like start to exit the road, if it's possible. You have to drive safely, so sometimes if you're on a major highway, it might not always be possible, although, you know, getting on the berm is better than being rear-ended and honking your horn. Now, you can do actually all four things to prevent yourself from being rear-ended, and I have done all four things, including getting my turn signal and Getting myself clear and off the road. And one time in Canada, it was foggy and it was dark and it was raining. And uh, I could tell this car was just coming up on me with such great speed that, that they didn't, they weren't either paying attention or they didn't see me. So I started to zigzag, put my flashers on, I was honking my horn. They literally just careened off into the next lane I don't know, they just probably missed my car by inches. It was such a close call, I will never forget it. But these are things you can absolutely do to prevent your car from being rear-ended. I don't know about you, but why would you want your car to be rear-ended? Now, along with not having your car being rear-ended, is not this whole notion of not allowing someone and another car to ride your car's bumper. Because what will happen if they don't have a safe distance behind you and someone runs out in front of you or there's an accident that happens suddenly right in front of you, you will hit the brakes so you avoid the accident in front of you. They will hit the brakes but they won't have enough distance so they'll rear-end you. So keeping a safe distance from the car behind you is another key piece to not only not being rear-ended, but also um, safe driving. And again, you can use all four of the things that I've indicated to keep a distance between the car behind you. You can't control their speed. You can't control them. And there are some drivers, unfortunately, who have no clue that they should have one car length for every 10 miles per hour or follow the two-second rule. They have no clue that they should have some distance and sometimes you can even see, you can see the driver in your rear view mirror. If you can see the necklace that you could clearly see the other driver, they are way too close. So you take an action to stop that. And sometimes the action is you have to put your turn signal on and get off the road. Find a, find a safe place to exit or pull over until you can clearly, you know, re-navigate. Re-na- and sometimes the reason that happens is because a driver has decided that it is their right to go 60 or 70 or whatever in a 35-mile zone and you are in their way. So they are going to ride your bumper until you get out of their way. That's just literally how it is for some people and my recommendation is your job is to make sure that you you are safe your passengers are safe and you avoid any accidents because they could be fatal so making sure that the car behind you doesn't ride your bumper is your responsibility and i've just given you several ways to do it <laughs> but i don't i don't engage in aggressive driving people don't like don't provoke the car behind you if they want to go 70 Get yourself out of their way, let them pass you, and and watch them speed off. You may frequently sometimes see them in an accident down the road, but don't get into this power trip with the car behind you thinking, oh, I'll teach you a lesson. I'm going to slow down now. Like, don't provoke the driver behind you, and some some people do that, and some people enjoy that. That's really not a good idea. Now... The same thing holds true with the car in front of you, that you want to make sure that you have the safe distance between your car and the car in front of you. And sometimes in congested traffic or high high volume traffic, that's more difficult to do, but it's still nonetheless important because if you don't have the amount of distance, a safe distance, and I, I like the rule one car length for every 10 miles per hour, but that apparently is not what some people like, but then, if there's an accident or a sudden something somebody's car tire blows out or something happens you simply won't have the reaction time in the distance and you will rear-end them and that's a bad thing now another very interesting easy thing to do to increase your driving safety and help you actually stay away from bad drivers is to increase your view or get a bigger picture. Many times when people are driving, they are only looking at the car ahead of them or perhaps two cars ahead of them. And it was suggested, and this has been very valuable, to look way ahead, to look, get a huge picture, a so look out ahead of you on the road and to the sides as far as you can see. And by doing that, what happens or what's happened, at least in my experience, is sometimes you will see a car becoming disabled or an accident that's just happened and because the people, the cars in front of you don't have a bigger view, they haven't even seen it and it's a disaster. So having a bigger view, looking out you know, as far as you can see ahead, you know, and I don't mean like that's the way you drive, but you want to you want to be checking your rear view mirror, your side view mirrors, looking ahead. This is a really a heightened awareness, but having the big picture. Of course, I remember when I was training some of my kids, I was teaching them this and, and while one of them was driving it happened like it was up ahead. I said, "Oh, do you see that?" And they're like, "No, what, what, what?" I said, "Look right up there," and they saw it. It was right, right there in the moment. It was the most perfect thing to happen if you're training someone to drive. This example, so we decided, okay, once you get in the right-hand lane, let's just take that side road and avoid that whole mess because people then—that's how we get, you know, car, you know, ten car pile-ups and twenty car pile-ups—is because people either don't have the distance or they're not looking ahead to the big picture. So giving yourself the big picture will be extraordinarily valuable, and it's very easy to do. The next suggestion was a surprise to me, but it makes a lot of sense, and I have used it, and it really even makes more sense when you read some of the tragic fatality accidents in the newspaper or on the news, which is to stay away from tractor trailer rigs on the highway, in particular, in particularly to not become sandwiched between two tractor trailer rigs. So the idea is if a tractor trailer rig is going to have an accident, it will not be good. It it is likely that it will, might block both lanes of the highway, leaving you no escape route. And being sandwiched between two tractor trailer rigs if there's an accident is literally the kiss of death. You would be, it would be a miracle if you survived that. So just having a mindfulness to either be well behind or well ahead of tractor trailer rigs either way and not be sandwiched in between them is a very, very significant idea that I never would have thought of, but I did confirm that with the guy who also taught classes. The next suggestion you can see anywhere all the time when you're out driving and which is basically people not doing this, which is to use your turn signal your turn signal is not for you. You know where you're going. Hopefully you know where you're going. The problem and issue is that some people are either driving absent-mindedly or they're not present or they're not paying attention or they're distracted or what have you and they do not put their turn signal on until they're practically turning. So when you do that and then you have a car who's following you too closely Boom, it's like magic. You get a you get a fender bender or an or a collision. So using your turn signal well in advance. I don't mean too far in advance, not like six turns before you're gonna make it, but using it properly and in advance to signal the cars behind you your intention to turn. Of course, that does mean you need to turn it off if it doesn't automatically go off when you make your turn. Now my next suggestion. Uh, well, there, was, there were two, two fatal accidents, one in the area, one not in the area. Both of them, by the way, kept out of the papers, interestingly enough. And the one involved this next piece, which is not crossing two lanes of traffic when you're making a turn and or not making a U-turn. Some U-turns are legal. This isn't about whether the U-turn is legal or not. And and of course, most places you can cross two lanes of traffic to make a turn. The reason it's a bad idea is because your turn or the successful turn, uh, whether it's a U-turn or you're crossing two lanes of traffic, is contingent upon you properly estimating the risk. estimating the rate of speed of any oncoming traffic which people often get wrong it's also contingent upon you seeing other traffic in other words there's no traffic you start to make the turn and boom here comes the nascar race car driver out of nowhere you know speeding or and it also is contingent if you're doing a cross turn crossing two lanes of traffic or making a legal U-turn at night, it's contingent upon the other drivers having their lights on. And people frequently forget to put their lights on. So we did have a fatality involving three people, not in the area, but they were from the area, kept out of the papers, you can't find it anywhere online. And it was a a legal U-turn at night, not involving alcohol, but so crossing, there's always a way if you want to cross two lanes of traffic, go up to the light, you know, make another turn. Crossing two lanes of traffic is not a wise move. It's risky. If you want to do it and you, you don't care, fine, but understand it's a risk. Now, my next suggestion should not even be a suggestion, but apparently I need to make it because uh, I was almost hit by a young lady uh, two days ago who was not doing hands-free driving, clearly also not paying attention. Now, I stopped my car because I've got the big view, so I'm watching everybody and paying attention, and I saw her coming and thought, oh, well, I may have the right of way, but it doesn't matter because I am not going to have my car hit. And uh, she did eventually stop, and there she was, phone in one hand, one hand on the steering wheel, clearly not paying attention. But hands-free driving is extremely important, And, and I hope I don't need to say, but I do know I actually do need to say this. No texting while driving. I mean, isn't your life worth something? I would would certainly hope so. And this is actually where some people ruin their own lives. And I said in a recent podcast, I'm the only one who I will allow to ruin my own life. I will not allow anyone else to ruin my life. So I clearly don't do things that could ruin my life because why would I do that? people who text while they're driving are risking ruining their own life, killing themselves, killing someone else, but people do it all the time. And surprising people, I have to say. So to knock that off, that's not, that's not smart and it's not a good idea. My next uh, tip, which came from the class, and it's very interesting, which is called daytime running lights. And daytime running lights means you put your lights on the minute you get in your car, whether it's day, dusk, morning, all day long, all night long, you have your car lights on. I don't mean like the little, you know, parking lots. I mean your whole full headlights on. That's what's known as daytime running lights. Now, back in the day, the United States did not require by law daytime running lights. And back in the day, Canada did require daytime running lights. So I did look it up before this podcast to see if the United States has come to the table. And if we're now with it, no, we're not with it. We still do not require daytime running lights. The reason you want to do this is because it will make your vehicle much more visible, much more visible, which with all the distracted driving, sadly, people texting and driving, etc. You know, your car being more visible helps you avoid an accident or might help someone else avoid hitting you and so daytime running lights all the time every time that's a great idea and, and someday maybe the United States will come to the table and go oh yeah we're a little be, we're a little backwards here now daytime running lights are required using your horn this is very interesting because I know when I was teaching my kids to drive, they did not really want to use the horn. And I've actually driven with quite a number of people who also had a reluctance to use their their car horn. Your car horn can help prevent an accident. It can get the attention of another driver, even if you wouldn't be involved in the accident. When you see something going south, look like you see a driver who's texting and has no eyes on the road, clearly that's an accident ready to happen. You could honk your horn, get their attention, and they might, they might stop doing it. They might not stop doing it. But you can use your horn to wake up other drivers. The next uh, situation, and it's very interesting, which is your car. I don't care what kind of car you have, what kind of vehicle you have, your car or your vehicle does not do well on ice, does not do well on black ice and does not do do well in freezing rain or icy snow. I hate to break it to you. Now the interesting thing when the troopers were presenting the driver training, they really brought up some good points. Your life has value so if your car is not going to run properly I mean cars can't drive on ice that's just like they'll slide around but they're not going to be able to grip unless you have chains on and I don't even know about that you know reschedule your trip postpone your arrival time make some changes because your car is never ever going to do well on ice black ice frozen ice freezing rain or freezing snow so make some changes the next suggestion is being prepared. And and from the beginning of the time when cars were around, this is this has happened. It continues to happen, by the way, which is there will be a sudden change in the weather, which could be an unexpected snowstorm, unexpected something. And people get trapped or stuck because they're not prepared. When you are driving a vehicle, it's really optimal to have some snacks in your car, some bottled water, some blankets, some kitty litter or sand if you're in an area that has weather, inclement weather, snow or possible snow or at least through the winter, blankets and make sure that your car has antifreeze, windshield wiper fluid, oil. So some people have gotten tr- and enough gas in your car which I'll come back to. So some people have gotten trapped in unexpected weather, and they didn't have either enough gas in their car to keep their car warm. They didn't have blankets or food or water or what, something, and they left their car and were and died in a, in a blizzard or a snowstorm. Sometimes tragically, literally only half a mile from you know a building or warmth or whatnot. That's that's kind of one of those things that happens and it's been happening and it will continue to happen, but being prepared will help you for the unexpected. If your car becomes disabled, do not get out of your car. The reason being is because the likelihood of you being hit and killed goes up immensely. That's just a good, solid rule. And I know there are people who've gotten out of their car And they've gone to the side of the road And they were still hit and killed Your best shield and armor If your car becomes disabled Is to stay in the car Where you've got 2,000 tons Or whatever of steel And and metal around you To protect you You could be rear-ended, yes But you at least have some protection Now the next Piece actually came (laughs) An ice storm in Buffalo, a surprise ice storm, when the trees in Buffalo were still in full bloom and had all of their leaves. So we had a surprise October storm one year, and it just took the trees right down. Some of them just came right out of the roots, became uprooted, and some of them split in half. It was unbelievable. But it took out the power grid took out much of the power grid, not all of it, but almost all of it. And when when the power grid goes down, you can't get gas at a gas station unless they have a generator or unless they miss the power outage. So we had people in this terrible storm who didn't have gas in their car and could not get gas in their car because the gas stations closest to them were not operational. And they couldn't, they didn't have power. They had places they could go if they could get there, but they couldn't get there unless someone came and picked them up because they didn't have any gas in their car. So a rule of thumb is to have a half a tank of gas or greater, particularly if you're living in an area where either hurricanes or snowstorms or ice, you know, particularly where the weather could be in such a state where, there might be power outages because you won't be able to get gas except for a station that has power. Now, if you are driving and you become sleepy or you are in a car or vehicle and the driver becomes sleepy, it is time to take action. This is one of the causes, one of the top five causes for accidents. And so the suggestions would be pull over to a rest stop, not just on the highway. It's not usually legal to pull over and park on the highway unless your car is disabled. But get off the road, get to a rest stop and take a cat nap or switch drivers if there's someone else who can drive, you know, for you or take a nap, get some coffee, get something to eat, keep the window open. You cannot continue to drive if you're drowsy. it's just the most dangerous thing in the world, and you can do things It's probably a little difficult to fall asleep if you're actually eating food or chewing gum or eating you know doing something and I know having made long trips, I would get a little tired, so I'd pull out the whole arsenal, open the car window, cool air. You know, I would get people in the car talking to me. My kids would hate that. I'd be like, look, I'm a little tired. I need somebody to talk to me. So I need to get in a conversation and then the kids would engage me. So you just don't drive sleepy. That's just a no-no. All right. My next suggestion wasn't from the driver training, but I, I stand by it, which is to call in erratic drivers. There will be people driving when you're out in the world driving who are having a heart attack or having a stroke or having a seizure. Or they might be high or they might be drunk or they might just be distracted, who knows, or they could have been texting and driving. But call them in on your cell phone, your hands-free cell phone, because you could be preventing a terrible, terrible accident. And the other piece of that is, If you see a disabled car or you see an accident, call it in. What people often do is they assume that someone else called it in. So years ago, I started this practice of calling it in, whether it was a disabled vehicle or or an accident that I had driven past. And I was just literally flabbergasted. I was flabbergasted that there was only one time that I ever called that, that it had already been called in. Every other time, I was the first one to call it in. Now I wasn't the first car to drive by it. I was probably like the hundredth car to drive by it, or the two. I mean, they're so—it's shocking. Call it in. Don't assume that someone else has called it in because if it's a disabled vehicle, they need help. If it's an accident, they also need help. But it's shocking to me. <laughs> I would just, and my kids were little, they'd be like, oh, and would be like, oh, well, someone probably already called it in, but we're going to call it in just to make sure. No, nobody else had called it in. So don't be afraid to call erratic driving in or accidents or a disabled vehicle. You might be the only one. Making sure your vehicle is in good operating condition may seem like common sense, but It does need to be said because this is a cause of some accidents, whether it's a tire going out or some other condition, making sure that you have enough antifreeze, windshield wiper fluid and oil will be helpful. Now, my next piece is about aggressive driving. So it seems to me over the last number of years, maybe two decades, it seems like aggressive driving has gone up in my opinion. So, if you see someone, whether they're behind you or, you know, you see them coming up in your rearview mirror, you see this aggressive driving, first of all, stay away from them. They're probably not okay, like whatever's going on. But secondly, if you see someone who's really being aggressive in their driving, I would I would call it in. I mean, what's, what the heck? If the police are busy, they don't have to go. And if they've got someone sitting around waiting to give out tickets, they might be happy to have go hunt down this red Corvette that's cutting people off or doing whatever. I mean, you know, what the heck? And my last suggestion really is, well, more of a newer suggestion because of airbags, which is If you were the passenger in a car, and I know I've done this because I didn't know. If you're the passenger in a car or vehicle, you should never put your legs up on the dashboard or dangle them out the window because if the airbag goes off, if there's something that happens, sudden braking, what have you, and the airbag goes off, the most likely outcome is that the velocity of the airbag will either sever or damage your legs and you may never be able to walk again. I know it's comfortable sometimes. If you get to be the passenger to put your legs up on the dashboard, that's not a good idea. I would not ever do that again, having done it. So here's your takeaways. I hope if you do nothing else, you will immediately start doing pull-through parking or back-in parking because you will, A, increase your likelihood to miss a fender bender, certainly possibly to miss, you know, hurting someone because you won't see them. And I certainly hope you're going to begin to see, like, wow, what this is a novel thought that I could prevent a car behind me from hitting me or rear-ending me, it is a novel thought. I will grant you, it's a novel thought. <laughs> I remember the novel thought when I was in class, and then I remember the novel thought as I employed that technique to prevent someone from rear-ending me. So I hope you will share this podcast on social media, make some changes, and safe driving to all. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 115, Getting Away from Bad Drivers. I implore you to make some changes to your driving and especially to the way you park your vehicle, and you could save a life or prevent an accident. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically. And of course, I hope you will share this on social media to help bring down the number of fatalities and accidents. You can visit me at my website to enter my giveaway. Hang in there for now. Love you. Take care.